one of my goals for this year is putting together some amazing travel experiences for my friends and family. And I'm here to tell you all about Get Your Guide, a foolproof way to guarantee these amazing memories on a trip you will never forget. You can choose from over 100,000 travel experiences in the United States and around the world, all locally vetted and expertly curated. From the obvious tourist must-sees to under-the-radar gems you could only hear about from a local, there is something for everyone. It's time to let Get Your Guide do the work, so you can just sit back, relax, and have a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Want to take a New York City deli tour? How about a pasta-making class in Rome? A before-hours tour of the Vatican? Or a jazz music discovery tour in New Orleans? These are just a few of the things completely possible with Get Your Guide. No matter where your travels take you, Get Your Guide offers the best way to connect with your destination, with the expert help that makes it that much easier. You deserve it. Don't wait any longer. Take my advice and give yourself the gift of an unforgettable travel experience at GetYourGuide.com. Safe travels. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, are you listening to us right now on some headphones? And if so, how about a little ASMR? ASMR, I don't even know what it means. Even more than ASMR, we're here to help you. It's time to learn about JBuds Mini from JLab, the smallest earbud on the market by a major brand. It's perfect for on-the-go listening to something amazing like Pod Meets World. And we've got a deal for you. Use the code WORLD25 for 25% off. Oh, what a deal. Visit JLab.com now to find your kind of tech. And remember, WORLD25 for 25% off. Something that, that I've, it comes up on my Instagram feed every once in a while, I think because of Pod Meets World, but I've also seen this before and you can find it on YouTube. Have you guys ever watched Henry Thomas's audition for E.T.? We've talked about this. It's Yeah, we talked about this. It's it staggering. Is, it's I haven't seen it. Oh my Ugh. gosh. It's so wonderful. He's like eight or nine years old. He's improvising with the casting director and they're just, the casting director is just, you know, Pretend you have an alien in your house and mm-hmm. and you don't want to give him over to the government. And they just improvise. And he is so present. He's so real. Ugh. And then at the end of the, the audition, you can hear Spielberg say, well, you got the job, kid. And it's it's incredible. Um, but it just made me think about, like, do you guys have, like, a favorite child actor performance? Like, an all-time, like, oh. hands down, this is the best. I mean... Henry Thomas and E.T. is up there for me, um, you know, but oh, I, I, I thought have, you meant for our, like our own performances. If we yes, had something what's like our, one of our, our team mean, moment? So you meant you meant a different kid. I like, mean, when you watch movies or TV shows, like gotcha. when you look back, what do you have like a, you know, because there's been there have been kids who have won Academy Awards or nominated. Sure. Um, I know, do. And I, I think yeah. it's a. Yeah. Do you have a, a of course? I mean, well, there's a there's a bunch. And for me, they were never. I mean, the performances were great, but it was more like, I, and I want to do that, or I want to be in that mm. kind of movie kind of moment. Like, there was an amazing movie that meant so much to me when I was a kid called The Experts. No. 
No, explorers, excuse me, called the oh, explorers. explorers. Of yeah, course. explorers. So Ethan Hawke, River Phoenix, young That's Ethan Hawke, yeah. young River Phoenix, and unfortunately yeah. the third kid who we don't know who that is. But mm-hmm. it was it was three cool. great young performances yes. in this really cool movie where they build the movie their gets own bonkers. spaceship. The first half of that movie is amazing. Oh. Once they get to space, it's really it's weird. So it's still great, good though. though. I it's love it. So no, I know. I feel work. the same because way. again, for me, yeah. it was about they finally meet the alien who's learned everything right. by watching TV. And totally. so my whole oh, life right. was about watching That's TV. Right. That makes sense to you. So right. it was, oh, so performances like yeah, it was that. A very, it was very Goonies. It was like a I Goonies was gonna say, adjacent Goonies film. Goonies is another yeah. one. Where Goonies is another one. Stand yeah. By Me. You know, those performances in Stand By yep. Me. It's well, those that's the things. one for me easily. Yeah. And I, I, you know, like, because when I was thinking about this question, I, I, I remembered this article that I read um, years ago that, that talked about how child how child characters are written in movies and TV. And often they're reduced to like one or two things. It's like either they are um, a, a kid that is like a completely un- not understandable character. They're like crazy. They're just making noise and being chaotic. Or they're written as a mini adult. Like they are a precocious, um, right. oh, you know, they're, they're, they're more sophisticated than they. So it's like kid characters tend to only have one of those two modes. And so, you know, and I was thinking about like Tatum O'Neill and Paper Moon, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. She's incredible. She won the Academy Award for it. But it's kind of a false character. It's not like a kid. It's, it's one of these precocious adults in a little right. kid's body characters. So I was trying to think of movies where kids were just kids like oh dude i've got like, a great one i've got and one for of the me it's stand by ones. me is the gold standard because it's like yeah. in stand by me they are you you can see all four of them are just in real time being kids with each other they're not being it's so realistic for how 12 year olds actually talk to sure. each other and at the time i mean when i first discovered it i mean and i don't think this is news to anybody but like river phoenix was my hero you know like mm-hmm. basically that's who i wanted to be as an actor but now when i look back on stand by me Jerry O'Connell steals that movie. He kills man. it. He is. He's kills the youngest, it. and he is so amazing. And I'm like, I'm, I'm so happy to like call Jerry a friend now because I, I, you know, I worked with his wife, and I, and and I just, he is so good in that movie yeah. because he's the most present. He's the, he's all the comic relief, and there's just no pretense about like what he's doing. He just steals the whole movie. Yeah. So. You yeah. want to see other other great child performances where kids are just kids? Go back and watch the original Bad News Bears. Oh, you know, I've never seen it. Oh, it's so good. Tatum O'Neill. Great. Uh, Such a good movie. How about you, Danielle? Do you have kid performances that you like? I agree, obviously, with both of you. Those all of those performances are incredible. But to add a more recent one into the mix, I would like to say Brooklyn Prince in the Florida Project. Did you guys see the Florida Project? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, movie, though, (laughs) it is a very tough movie, but her performance is amazing. And then so also, present, I so do real. not remember the actress's name, but uh, After Sun, the kid oh, in yeah. After Sun. Oh, my God. I didn't God. see that one either. So I didn't see that one either. I got to see that You're one. Right. So, I mean, You're those right. are a little more recent. They're both gut-wrenching okay. movies, but but truly mm-hmm. unbelievable performances. I like that. Is it Abigail Breslin from Little Miss Sunshine, too? Another She's just incredible. amazing oh, performance yeah. all the way around. Yeah, there are yeah. some. Yeah, there have been some some killer ones. Yeah, been great. Yeah. Interesting. Well, welcome to Pod Meets World. I'm Danielle Fischel. I'm Ryder Strong. And I'm Wilfredo. And it is a big week for Pod Meets World Live. We're back on the road and in three new cities. So join us this Friday, October 13th. Ooh, Friday the 13th, spooky. In Cleveland, Ohio at the Mimi Ohio Theater. Or Saturday, October 14th. 
which isn't spooky at all, in Toronto at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. And then we're going to close out the weekend on Sunday night, which is, of course, October 15th in Pittsburgh, where we're all just hoping Danielle's going to walk in the rain. Uh, And that is, of course, at the Byham Theater. Tickets are still available for all three shows. It's going to be so much fun, and they're available now at podmeetsworldshow.com. It's also your chance to come out and hang out with Danielle Ryder and I and dress up in costume because we're going to be picking a winner for each show, and you are absolutely going to love the prize. Oh, speaking of prizes, we got new merch! That's right. It has been a while. Ooh, that was a weird merch that all felt strange in my throat. Anyway, uh, it's been a while. So we've taken the most important word in the history of the podcast, insourcel, and made the official shirt. There's an illustration and definition printed right on front. You have to see it to believe it. It's exclusively available online now at podmeetsworldshow.com. It is the perfect way to tell everyone I'm listening to Podmeets World, and I know this very, very, very specific inside joke. Uh, You can see all of our merch and all of our tour dates while you're there. Once again, it's all at podmeetsworldshow.com. Come on out. We can't wait to meet you. Hey, everyone. It's Sophia Bush, host of the podcast Work in Progress. I am thrilled to tell you that Work in Progress is back for a third season. My friends, it has never been more important than right now for us to have all of these big conversations. Together, we are going to get educated, a little bit enlightened, and we will definitely be entertained. I started Work in Progress because I'm a curious person and I realized there are so many people I get to speak to that are fascinating and rare. (laughs) And so I thought, why not take these conversations out into the world? I'm going to be having deep chats with thought leaders, newsmakers, celebrities, entertainers, authors, elected officials, and more. You can join us and listen to Work in Progress on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Did you know that not everyone has a podcast with their two childhood best friends where they can talk about their memories and relive them week after week? Huh. Are you sure? Yes! So they don't have a way to see themselves as teens on a streaming service with the ability to focus on their regrettable hairstyles and melodramatic auras? No, but I have a solution. Tell me, because I'm freaking out! Well, if our listeners have their own favorite memories that were caught on videotape or film reels, and now they have no way to watch it or share it with friends or post it on social media, we have your solution. Legacy Box. I used Legacy Box and it was so easy. Just threw some old VHS tapes into the box that they supplied. They digitized it. Next thing you know, I had a secure thumb drive ready to play. That way, my home videos can last forever. Legacy Box co-founders Nick Mako and Adam Baselogger came up with the idea in their college dorm room and have since become the largest and most trusted digitizing company in the world. And they can digitize 15 different types of analog media, whether it's a VHS tape, a mini DV, a Super 8 film reel, or even photo negatives. Legacy Box is ready to help. After 10 years in the business, they've helped over 1 million families relive some of the most important moments of their lives. Legacy Box is the simple and safe solution for digitizing all of your family's precious memories. And by going to LegacyBox.com world, you can enjoy 50% off when you get started with Legacy Box today. Go to LegacyBox.com slash world to save 50% for a limited time only. That's right. Save 50% because of us. Go to LegacyBox.com slash world. That's LegacyBox.com slash world. Guys, how would you classify your hydration style on a scale of pour and chug to sipping from your favorite glass? 
uh, chug. Mm. I yeah. don't understand the scale. Do you chug lots of liquid or do you just take dainty sips? Oh, I chug lots of liquid. Yeah, chug lots of liquid in like eight hours, chug a whole bunch of liquid. Mm, yeah, mm. I'm, a, I'm a sipper from my favorite glass. So whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, this is the perfect hydration style. And I love how convenient it is. Packaged so you can take it on the run and use it wherever you go. It tastes so good and hits the spot. I've been using it daily, and it really starts my day off on the right foot, especially with my favorite flavor, green grape. Now, with no artificial sweeteners and zero sugar, it's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. And one stick in 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. However you hydrate, grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your order when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code WORLD at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WORLD at liquidiv.com. Hey, are you listening to us right now on some headphones? And if so, how about a little ASMR? ASMR, I don't even know what it means. Even more than ASMR, we're here to help you. It's time to learn about JBuds Mini from JLab, the smallest earbud on the market by a major brand. It's perfect for on the go listening to something amazing like Pod Meets World. It even fits on your keychain, and they're so small you can sleep with them in. And it comes in five amazing colors mint, aqua, black, sage, and pink. And it's got rapid charge where in just 15 minutes of charging gives the earbuds a whole hour of battery life. Bluetooth multipoint also allows you to connect to two devices at once and switch seamlessly between the two. And we've got a deal for you. Use the code WORLD25 for 25% off. Oh, what a deal. Visit jlab.com now to find your kind of tech. And remember, WORLD25 for 25% off. funnier aspects to doing this podcast is that certain sayings or pieces of dialogue or catchphrases from our time on Boy Meets World that have followed us for over 30 years in our personal lives are now being shared with you, making the inside part of inside jokes a bit more outside. Whether it's the kids want to jump or is he mad or even strofty bright, the little secret things that meant a lot to us now mean a lot to a lot of us. And that is something we never could have predicted coming into Pod Meets World. And this week, we meet someone who not only creatively affected almost every episode of Boy Meets World, but one of his major life moments created a sentence that the child stars of this show would yell at each other for years and even now as adults, almost like a pre-internet meme amongst friends. That sentence is, Steve's having a baby! But we will get more into that later. Steve Hafer turned a USC education and early 20s job at Universal Studios into a wildly impressive sitcom career, starting as a PA on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and eventually becoming the stage manager for Boy Meets World, where he was so beloved, he was given the chance to direct his first episode of TV, season seven's As Time Goes By, and he has never looked back. Steve went on to direct over 30 episodes of the highly influential Nickelodeon variety show All That, then almost 40 episodes of iCarly, tons of Zoe 101, Drake and Josh, Victorious, Sam and Cat, Game Shakers, and most recently, another 35 episodes of Henry Danger. 
Are we responsible for his success being the first cast he ever directed? Yeah, I feel good (laughs) saying that. Thanks for asking. And though I doubt he will have a baby with him today, we are excited to welcome a mainstay behind the scenes of Boy Meets World and a legend behind the camera. This week's Pod Meets World guest is Steve Hafer. Hello. (gasps) We can hear you. You got to turn that camera on, man. I know. It's not responding. (gasps) Like us when you try to get us on set. <laughs> <laughs> just, we just blink at you. Yes! <laughs> oh, it's Hi, so guys. good to see you. So oh, good to see you. Oh. You too. You hey, too. Are we one of those cast pictures behind you? Uh, no, but you are. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Oh, love that. I love it. <laughs> yes. My oh. my son put that one together for me. So yeah, I it's in a special place, dead center over my credenza. <laughs> oh, yes. I love that. Oh, that's the best. And you almost never get to hear credenza anymore. I know. We yeah, don't, I don't use that word because it's it's wonderful. It's perfect. Well, God knows Ikea doesn't use that word. No. Yeah, exactly. There it's a schmores of Lirsch, which is different, yes. <laughs> oh, Steve, thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So good to see you all. I've seen Danielle probably the most recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Will way back at my 40th birthday party. <laughs> yeah. And writer, Booby, it's been forever. <laughs> I don't I don't think I've seen you since rap. Like wow. uh, right? Maybe I we've know. had lunch after the sh- like maybe within the f- couple years after the show, but Yeah, and I don't remember. I did a pilot with um Shiloh, your brother, and uh Betty White and Marie Osmond, and I think you might have dropped by, but I'm not even hundred percent sure that was after we wrapped. That no, might have been like the that summer was during before. Boy. Yeah, 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 that was still during boy. Yeah, we were still shooting. So wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw Steve because Steve was the one of the first people I ever shadowed when I when I was attempting to become a director. So cool. and Steve let me shadow him, and he was the absolute best. And he gave me all yeah. kinds of pointers and tips and tricks, and and uh, and sent me on my way. It was. I remember that week. It was one of the most chaotic weeks backstage. There was drama that you don't even know. <laughs> I would love to know. <laughs> uh, I'm not even completely privy to it, but it was one of those weeks. And uh, I would have loved to have sat and just talked with you more and more. But it was one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Steve was also uh, a lot of people don't know. Steve was also the third leg of the Will, Tony, Steve tripod. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, where we, would, we would be playing golf and uh doing all that so we were out quite a bit uh with with hafer as well so yes it was uh that was fun and sometimes you and tony were out without me and you were telling me you were coming back or weren't going to be able to make it to a run through <laughs> just to stress you out just to stress him <laughs> out your job wasn't hard enough <laughs> Tony and yeah. I playing the, the 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 horrible trick on on Steve, which was oh man, we thought it was so funny until we that door opens and there's Steve's face like what are you doing to me? And we felt so bad, <laughs> we felt so bad after that. Oh my, yeah. And I was like a weird parent. I was like, I'm glad you're safe, but yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm just disappointed in you both. Just- it was like oh no no. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, Steve, we like to start with all of our guests kind of at their origin story. 
So do you remember your job at Universal Studios? Do you have any great, that's where you started, <laughs> right? As a PA. Do you remember the, that experience? Well, I originally started as a tour guide. I was pointing out the rubber shark yes. and the psycho house and everything. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Um, that was the, during my senior year at USC, I needed some money. And so that was a good gig and they were flexible with hours and all that. But so then I made contacts uh, there and started as a set PA uh, for the show Coach. They were finishing up their first full season because I believe they were a mid-season replacement show. Um, but they really had hired me to do a pilot, just, you know, so I was answering phones and helping the ADs on set, stuff like that. Uh, that pilot was called, uh, have a nice day. It was about the seventies, really funny, didn't get picked up. And then six, seven years later, that seventies show. (laughs) So it's all about timing. Oh, (laughs) wow. Um, but then those producers took me to another show, which was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh my uh, gosh. So I got to experience that. It was Brandon Tartikoff's last show that he brought to NBC or that shepherd through NBC. Uh, I stayed with them for two years, did regular production assistant work, some post-production assistant work. And then those producers got me into the director's guild to be a second, second AD, or at that time, third stage manager uh, to run the background for a sitcom that starred uh, Patti LaBelle, uh, Morris Chestnut, Vivica Fox, uh, Dwayne Martin, um, and that was called Out All Night. That only lasted for about 13 episodes. Uh, but that's where I really got to know Lynn McCracken better, who I had met uh, at uh, Fresh Prince. And yes. uh, then she had this new project. And she said, I really want a male second for me because she had a, a regular female, uh, Rainice uh, Holmes, who's a fantastic AD. Um so because you guys, meaning Will, Ryder, Ben, uh, and uh, Lee, Norris, were going to be the main guys. And so she just wanted a male uh, yeah. figure in the AD team. Uh, so she brought me on. Uh, Arlene Grayson, beloved Arlene, mm-hmm. had a friend also who she wanted to be the second. So that guy, whose also name was Steve, uh, he was there for the first mm, three weeks, I believe, our first run of three. And then either he got another gig or something, but... I also know his way of working and Lynn's way of working were two different things also. So then anyway, then I moved up from running background for your first three weeks up to the second AD uh, position. And then season three is when I became your first AD. And uh, uh, after Arlene passed, Karen McCain had become our main producer. So she and I kind of went through trial by fire together. And so uh, I always have fond memories of Karen, but uh so that that was kind of it. <laughs> that is that is quite a story to go from tram guy to yeah. <laughs> you know on Fresh Prince to running a stage within three four years. Uh, yeah, probably closer to four five. Yeah, yeah. five. But uh, yeah, I was I was uh, the most blessed person on uh, earth. That's for sure. I remember you told me a story. Didn't didn't you tell me a story once about how you weren't when you're a tour guide you're not supposed to point out the Amblin building? Yes. <laughs> Why? And, yeah. Can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it was Steven Spielberg's production company, for those who don't know. Um, and it was this cool Adobe building, just looked different than all the other uh, it's still there. universal it's buildings. And if trams got stopped there due to filming happening on the back lot, sometimes trams would get backed up and you might be stopped right there in front of the road that leads you right to Amblin. And you can see it. And I guess they worked it out so you wouldn't point it out and people wouldn't try to sneak on the lot to go because this is right in the height of 
BT had just come out and, you know, he was, Jaws had already been out, Close Encounters. He was at the height of his uh, popularity back then. So I think it was more of just a security measure. But of course, most tour guides were famous for doing things they shouldn't be doing on their last tram ever when they knew that they were quitting and they were leaving and they would do all sorts of things like point out Amblin or one guy walked through the Red Sea, got on and says, follow me. And he led the tram through the Red Sea as it was parting. Uh, another guide <laughs> took his shoes and threw it into the ice tunnel, which is just like a big clothes dryer. And so for the right. next eight trams that went through, these shoes would go up the side and tumble back down and go up the side and tumble back down. And that's what everybody got treated to. So it was a fun gig. <laughs> that's awesome. Were you there when they were filming the burbs? Um, yes. They just did soundstage work for the most part. Uh, I don't think they were out on the back lot too much. So what we got to see other than the call sheet, we we get everybody's call sheet that day. So we knew who was filming uh, Norman Learhead, you know, the Jeffersons and Silver Spoons uh, always going on. Uh, Murder, She Wrote, Knight Rider. Uh, once in a while, Airwolf would show up there. Uh, the A-team was always off campus uh, somewhere. Uh, so we'd never see them. But uh, it was a lot of fun. So That's cool. Awesome. Do you still remember the tram script? Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if I had an old fashioned, I would probably recall more than I care to realize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I also want to talk to you about the show you mentioned, Out All Night, starring Patti LaBelle, Morris Chestnut, Vivica A. Fox, Taj Mowry. And then you guys had appearances by TLC, Mary J. Blige, Dionne Warwick, Gladys Knight, Luther Vandross, Boys to Men, Marky Mark, and Bobby Brown, just to name yeah. a few. Yeah. Who this was only your... went 13? I know. Yeah. How did that only go 13 with all those people involved? Oh, man. Because her premise, her premise was that she was a nightclub owner. And so... It was always about gearing up for whatever was happening at the club that week. And then somebody would come on, uh, you know, whether it was Natalie Cole, Dionne Warwick, Luther Vandross, everybody that Daniel just mentioned. Um, and so uh, that was fun. We got to see them, but it also brought its own version of chaos every week, you know, because they their reps and their people all had different agendas and the way they handled things. Uh, but we always had lots of people in the club. And that was my gig was trying to, you know, run the background there and uh, learned a lot about crowd management on that show. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a favorite guest star or a favorite story from that show? From that show? Yeah. Um, Dionne Warwick was fantastic. Uh, I just remember loving her. Luther Vandross was a lot of fun. Uh, He was he was hard to contain. He was almost like uh, the dog on up that he'd be talking to. And all of a sudden (laughs) he'd see somebody he'd recognize. He'd go, oh, and he'd go running off. And you're, wait, 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 no, we were heading to the set because they literally need us in 10 seconds, you know, things like that. It's <laughs> oh, good training for that. dealing with us as kids yeah, running all over the place. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing prepares you for you guys. <laughs> so Lynn McCracken is the one who brings you over to Boy Meets World. Do yes. you remember first meeting us and first working with us? What were your first impressions of all of us? Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, Ben stands out. First, because Ben is Ben, and Ben yeah. was this little ball of energy with curly hair. And I had just met Michael Jacobs two, three times, literally before our first table read. And uh, I was doing. There's something about Ben that seems familiar. And then the two of them were in the room at the same time. I was like, ah, that's <laughs> <laughs> he's a that makes sense. mini Michael. <laughs> yep. Um, but you guys were great. Uh, each and every one of you, Ryder, I connected with. 
fairly quickly because we both come from Sonoma County, California. Uh, he's from the Sebastopol area. I'm from Santa Rosa. And uh, so that, you know, that was an instant connection. Um, but Will, I got, as he mentioned, I got to know him better because he was out of school before you guys were. Yeah. And so he would hang out with us on the patio, meaning me and Kathy G. Gregorio and uh, Dee Dee and either Beth or Tracy, whoever happened to be there working on the set that, that year. Uh, and I remember Will trying to teach me how to play Magic the Gathering, yeah. And, yeah. Yes. which was an exercise in futility on his part, but <laughs> he tried. <laughs> um, Danielle, I remember your week especially well, just because of your story and everything that surrounded the part of Topanga. And I feel so bad. I don't remember the original actress that much because Topanga is you. You are Topanga. And um, I do remember uh, Michael and I think it was Blutman and Busgang came by our office and talked to me and Lynn uh, just briefly. And I think they had pretty much, they had their mindset about what was going, but they were just doing their due diligence and they're saying, uh, Danielle and uh, Marla, was it Marla who was also yeah. Yeah, being considered? Uh, they said, you've dealt with them on set and everything. How are they? And then we're going, they're fantastic. They're great. And we talked about Danielle saying she's just so focused. She's so into the project. She's smart as heck. Uh, and we couldn't imagine anybody better, uh, but we oh. love Marla too. But uh, we could tell they had their, they had their decision made at that point. It was just one of those little things. So I love that. that. I love that's a that's a, li- a little aspect of it. I never knew where it was like yeah. there were even there were even conversations with you guys about just like before we move forward with this. Do you have any dirt on her? Is there anything yeah. anything yeah. anything bad about her we should know? And you were well, like, no, she seems professional. Parents really is what a lot of that's times it comes down to, too, right? Dealing right? with kids, yeah. it's yes. like, what are the parents like on set? Because if yep. they're obnoxious, then that kid is going to be a problem. You know? Yes. Yes. Well, I. I have been so blessed with, because as you guys know, you know, I worked for over 20 years in Nickelodeon after I was done with you guys. And so, you know, kid show, kid show, kid show, kid show, a lot of parents and uh, your groups of parents, uh, I would stand up against any of the shows that I was on. Mm. But I was very fortunate that the majority of the parents that I had were fantastic in Nickelodeon as well. Um, so, uh, but I remember you guys coming in, in the early days and everybody's getting dropped off by their respective parents, usually in a minivan of some sort. Um, and you come in sleepy, we take you to school, you start your very hard, complex day. And then I remember cut to the final season where you guys were all driving your own BMWs, Mercedes, <laughs> SUVs, things like that. And Ben was running a little late, as he and Matthew tended to do once in a while on season seven. (laughs) (laughs) And so Dee Dee was like, Ben's running late. I said, okay, dad will go out and wait for him this time. So I went outside and Ben comes rolling at whatever he was driving at the time, parks it next to all you guys. He gets out and he looks at all the cars and he looks at me and goes, We've changed a lot over the years, haven't we? <laughs> like, absolutely, get inside. <laughs> That's absolutely get inside. That's great. Yes, it was. Yeah, we 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 can say um, uh, Ben and Matt towards the end had a more pliable relationship with the schedule 
than than some other people. Uh, and that is not to say that they were, uh, you know, would show up hours late. But, you know, 15, 20 minutes here or there was not unheard of. But that's uh, funny absolutely. because I mean, also I was I was going to college back then, too. So, like, at that, that point, I was, like, coming from class and I would show up late. I remember... Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like in a weird way, it probably got harder to wrangle us as we got older. Yeah, but understandably so. And it was stuff that I could predict and you guys came to me and said, I've got this, 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 so I could shape the day, you know, or have DD, you know, shape the day, uh, to be a little more accommodating to what was going on and still meet our needs. And right. you guys always upheld your ends of the bargain, even Matthew and Ben. Uh, and it was a little easier then. when you're young, when you guys are so young, you don't even know what you're doing half the time. You're just going on right. impulse. You're going on hormones. You're going on a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. just, right. it, and, and so you guys are a little more like, you know, uh, cats trying to herd cats, but right. <laughs> uh, right. you guys, you guys were always trusting. You guys were always, well, they're not going to ask us to do this. And that's something that really needs to be done. And we would try not to ask extra things of you guys because we wanted you to have free time, have time where you could just be kids and screw around together and laugh and whatever. And that was hopefully going to make a better working environment and a better experience for you guys. Well, it did. I mean, I can tell you that the working environment aspect of it, you you know, I, I only speak for myself. If there was anything on the set that I had a problem with, and that was rare, you were always my go-to guy. Yeah. Like you, no, you made it, you made it that place where it was like, we knew that we could go. We've, we've said the same thing with like Jeff McCracken. Um, there are certain people on the set where it was like, if we had any problem, we knew it was a completely and totally safe space. And for me, especially because you and I spent a lot of time together and played golf. It was like, you were, if anything happened, you were always the first person that I would go to. And you, yeah, nice. yeah, I just want to thank you for that because you always made it a very, very safe, open kind of environment to where there wasn't anything we could go and, and we couldn't say to you. Well, um, you have no, a very thanks. specific story about Steve, don't you? Which one? About overhearing overhearing some crew talking? Oh, yeah, I do. I, I didn't know if we wanted wanna... to get into that. I, I mean, again, I think it's a great story. <laughs> it's a great, it's, well, it just shows you, it just shows you how the kind of the different. It was first season, right? Or no, no, no. It, it was, it was um, right around when the uh, subway episode was. Okay. It so might not have been that week, hmm, but it okay. was, if it wasn't, it was the week after because the same person I remember having a weird conversation with that week. So it was either a week or a week after that. And there was a crew member and I walked out and Danielle and Ben were, I wouldn't say talking to this person. I'd say this person was talking to them and he was having a very, very in-depth conversation about how to receive oral pleasure outside of a nightclub. Oh my gosh. To Danielle and Ben, who I think Danielle's 14 at the time. And I went right to you, like right to you. And I was like, Steve, this is not good. This guy's bad news. You're like, which one? And I just pointed him out. Never saw the guy again. It was just that fast and that like, okay, I don't know if you remember this or not. Um, I had forgotten, but now that you're mentioning it, I sure do remember it now. Yeah, and it <laughs> I have was, no memory of it at all. The, yes, it yeah. was. It was one of those things where it was just like, oh my, oh my god, you know. And I think I went up to you, and again, being the son of two lawyers, I was like, this dude's liability. 
Uh, we, you know, this is not a good thing. And you were, I just remember, you're just very calm, very like, but that's how it always was. You were never going to yeah. explode. You were never nope. going to, it was just like, nope. okay, let's talk about it. Let's figure out what's next. It was great. So yeah. I don't was, think people, I mean, probably people outside of the industry have no clue how difficult the AD position is and how mm. essential it is. Um, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, the, the 80s are the unsung heroes of the entire film industry and, and, and television industry because, you know, it's it's a position where you are, uh, you know, you have a director who is making creative decisions, figuring out shots and but somebody has to actually run the stage and actually has to make sure the trains run on time, the actors show up. There's so many moving parts and and. So often the the AD is good at that aspect of the job, but then is just an awful person to deal right. with. Not a <laughs> good people person. Out, and they're so emotional right. and, and they're, you know, they're just, they're just screaming and yelling and it creates a chaotic, very stressful environment. And so the, the magic, you know, somebody like you, Steve, who can be a great manager, get everybody in line, earn everybody's respect and still be kind yeah. And still be positive and still make people laugh and like keep everybody on a like that is I mean, you know, I, I just took it for granted because I was a kid. I didn't know sure. but the second right. I moved into other sets and I saw, you know, oh, man, you, the first AD makes or breaks the show. And like you yep. made the show, man. It was always yep. just we, oh, we knew we were we knew we were safe. We knew we were yep. taken care of. Everything yep. went to schedule everybody. And you were also a friend you were fun yeah. to be around you so you 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 managed to like maintain authority without being awful which is yeah. really hard <laughs> and you well, were it's like you said oh. it's exactly like you said where it was like when tony and i played the pranks or stuff like that if the worst we would get is like disappointed dad yep. and that's what you want you don't want somebody screaming at you you just don't hear anymore but the hey guys you know i'm i'm glad you're safe but that was the oh like we disappointed <laughs> Steve. Like it was oh, the worst Steve thing down. in the world to let Steve yep. down. That was like the worst thing ever. So you know, uh, we certainly you. appreciate that. That was great. Yeah. Well, it's the it's the greatest gift and the curse of working in kids television. I'm sure many of the, your guests have already said this, but it's watching you guys do these amazing things at such a young age. But then you grow up, and it's so fun to watch you grow up. But then it forces the show to end because you're now not kids anymore <laughs> and you've gone right. off and it's like, oh, and so I've, I've gone through, you know, 17, 18 versions of these kids going wow. through and it kills me. But uh, especially you guys, because you guys were the first. You are arguably the best. Um I used to get in trouble by Josh Peck all the time because I tell Boy Meets World stories on the set of Drake and Josh. <laughs> because we'd be doing something. And you go, oh, this reminds me of so-and-so, and these guys are doing this, and then it got to be a running joke, and we get to something, and Josh goes, oh, do you have a funny Boy Meets World story for us, Steve? I okay, <laughs> go get your marks, let's go. Oh, now we've got <laughs> podcast beef with Josh. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, what you mentioned before that we would, uh, that I tried to, to play, uh, teach you to play magic. Which yes. led Ryder and I this random memory. Do you remember we had a card printed up for you that was on your podium, the Keljorian Frost Beast? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think we actually called you the Keljorian Frost Beast <laughs> yeah, for a little too long. I think yes. <laughs> uh, that's the best. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, man. 
I remember you guys writing on my script too, next to all my cues that I'd have, and you'd write cue the something something monkeys or cue the whatever, and it's like, okay, writer and Will have been here, and then Matthew started in later because he saw you guys. He was like, okay, what's going on? Oh. <laughs> he did the same thing we did, yeah. just twenty minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Maddie. <laughs> Hey, are you listening to us right now on some headphones? And if so, how about a little ASMR? ASMR, I don't even know what it means. Even more than ASMR, we're here to help you. It's time to learn about JBuds Mini from JLab, the smallest earbud on the market by a major brand. It's perfect for on the go listening to something amazing like Pod Meets World. It even fits on your keychain, and they're so small, you can sleep with them in. And it comes in five amazing colors, mint, aqua, black, sage, and pink. And it's got rapid charge, where in just 15 minutes of charging gives the earbuds a whole hour of battery life. Bluetooth MultiPoint also allows you to connect to two devices at once and switch seamlessly between the two. And we've got a deal for you. Use the code WORLD25 for 25% off. Oh, what a deal. Visit JLab.com now to find your kind of tech. And remember, World 25 for 25% off. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves, and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So, make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When did you get the bug to direct? Like at what, in what, you know, you said like season three-ish was around the time that you became our first AD. At what point then did you start thinking, ooh, director. I want to, I want to get to that. And then how did you end up getting the opportunity to direct your first episode? Um, I don't know exactly where it came. It was just a slow growth process because I was just having so much fun doing what I was doing. And uh, as you guys said, it was, it was a busy enough job. So I was just kind of focused on that or going home to my family after those are kind of my big draws of attention. Um, but then somewhere as I guess maybe season five, uh, just started to think about, 
what if I was doing that? How would I approach it? And it was just more like self-quizzing, self-testing. How would you handle this situation? And so forth. Because I have these wonderful people to observe, and mostly David Trainer and Jeff Kraken, but mm-hmm. we get, you know, uh, David Kendall once in a while. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a really good people. Uh, John Tracy did early on did a, a show or two, and I did some pilots with John uh, as well. So it was a wonderful array of approaches and personalities uh, to draw from. Uh, and then on other shows, I'd seen other guys, but this was a nice up close personal. I knew all the people involved. So then um, an episode became available uh, in season seven. And so I talked to Karen and I said, Hey, you know, I know, but if nobody else comes up, would Michael and you even consider? And she said, well, I already have, and I've already brought your name up. And it's like, really? And she goes, yeah, just in passing. But now that I know that you want to, let me talk about specifics with him about this show. Um, and so it just kind of came around that way. And the next thing I knew, things started moving very quickly. <laughs> wow. That was a big episode, too. That's what I was going to say. How did you, like, I mean, when you got the script for what is arguably one of our most bizarre, in-depth, artistic I mean, it was, there was nothing normal about that episode at all. Were you freaked out when you read the, the episode you were going to do? It was, and it was a first time writer too. It was Erica Montalvo, who right. was part of the Disney Fellows program. So it was her first script, me. I, I seem to do that a lot. Karen McCain, first time producing me that, you know, and, uh, I find these situations, but it was all possible because of you guys, of even though Michael wasn't really there that much that week, I remember Bob Tischler was kind of the one who was present um, at, at that time, but because of Karen, because of Russell, uh, because of the crew, you know, and my team and all stepping up, they, uh, they carried me along <laughs> and it was, yeah. it was a long night because I was <laughs> piecing together and it was involved, but uh, I was so thrilled that everybody got to do their own thing. And mm-hmm. it was really Danielle's story. And yeah. uh, that was a lot of fun. And then you had it up the B story, the detective aspect, but everybody got to do their own thing. And I remember talking about, with Ben about, you know, just be of the Bogart thing. Don't try to do a Bogart imitation. And he's like, Oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he was stressing about it all weekends. Like, no, 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 no. I don't think we should go there. And, just everybody, I remember Trina just loving her her wardrobe that she had. And one of my favorite shots still, with the exception of Daniel being sucked into the vortex, <laughs> is Ryder, when we introduced Ryder and him pouring the shot that just kept going and going and going. And that no recollection. Ryder just did no it the idea. first time and said, yes, keep that. That is so great. <laughs> yeah. And then you do, and then you do the, uh, doesn't he do the, the, the two finger gun yeah. salute too? Yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. The Isaac. The Isaac, that's right. Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny! And then, so I just remember I had never seen Casablanca or like any of the references. So I just remember being like, "What are we doing?" Okay, <laughs> so I just, I'll just tell me where to go, what to do. But I, I remember know, we being were... an inc- incredibly smooth week. Like I yeah. remember because at that point, we were we were getting a lot of new directors. Um, yeah. It was sort of like a lot of actors turned directors, or a lot of favors like friends of Michael would suddenly show up and be directing and um, they didn't all go well. And (laughs) I remember being very frustrated and starting to feel like we were sort of a Petri dish for uh, Mm -hmm. other, you know, for people to try directing. And when you got your shot and it was a complicated episode, we were all so happy and it went so well. I was like, Oh, now somebody who actually knows what they're doing is stepping into this role and like who deserves it. It was such a great feeling. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically saying you guys are much more delusional than I ever thought. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. You had you had mastered then then you had mastered the art of not letting us see the craziness you were going through. That that yeah. might have been it. Because it was it was it I mean Everything about that week with the the huge sets, we had tons of extras. There, one thing I remember about uh, the the Casablanca set, especially the actual restaurant set, was how deep it was. I mean, yeah. we had a lot of very kind of shallow sets with the boys' bedroom stuff like that. There'd be some depth to them, but this was one that you wanted. It went all the way back, which just changes everything. And yeah. so we're looking at all these. We're shooting in hallways that hadn't been there. We're doing special effects. Um, I mean, the whole thing is in uh, black and white. I mean, it was just one strange thing after another. It's like, yeah, I give it to Steve. <laughs> it <Yeah>. worked great. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I my, can't wait Michael to see that was one. even worried about Michael was worried about that. I found out later. Uh, and he said, are we going to be okay? And Karen's like, it's Steve. Yeah. And then she would come back down to you. Are we going to be okay? He's like, yes, we're good. <laughs> 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 it's fine. <laughs> but oh, it wow. was it was a departure for everybody. I think that's why everybody was maybe a little more rejuvenated. It was something out of the norm yeah. for us. We got to do something. I remember Walter Glover, our DP at the time, you know, who was thrilled that it was in black and white because then you got to try all this different kind of lighting that you wouldn't on a normal episode of White Meets World. Um, so everybody came to play and Danielle looked like you were built for that time period. Uh, the wardrobe, the hair, it was fantastic. Yeah. Everybody looked great. I loved um, it. Maddie at the piano, Betsy singing it, uh, Bill with his fez, and yes. uh, Rusty with his Rusty, smoking jacket. Rusty always doing He had the <laughs> yeah. mustache the whole time. Rusty's just doing this the whole time. It was so – that episode sticks – I can't wait to get there because that episode sticks out to me for so many different reasons, including that Danielle and I actually got to work together, which is nice. Uh, so yes. she's, she's – there we go. Now she's back. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was like uh, that whole week was just – a ton of fun. And you're right. I think after a while, you've done the same show week after week after week. The stories change, but you're essentially doing the same show and playing the same characters. So to then just right. to take it out of that and do something so outlandish, so crazy, uh, it does. It kind of it gives you that that morale pep right when you need it. So it was uh, that was a fun week. That was a really fun. Yeah, week. I want to talk about. Steve's having a baby. Steve's having a baby. <laughs> do you? There's so many things. One, do you remember us saying that? Was it annoying? And how old yes. is that baby now? That baby is about to turn 26 in less than a oh. month. <laughs> oh, my <I> gosh. <laughs> That's not possible. And he's, and he's uh, starting to attain his uh, pilot's license. He's going through that step in order to be a commercial pilot. And uh cool. We'll talk later whether you should fly that airline or not. Wow. Just kidding. <laughs> wow. Um, but uh, yeah, but I, I remember being gone, you know, all the all week. But then Chase was born, I think, the day before um, the audience show. Uh, and so we were all wiped out and everything, of course. Uh, but I wanted to be because it was the 100th episode uh, and I wanted to be part of it. And so I came back to just run the floor for one small scene that I couldn't possibly screw up by not knowing what was going on. And it was some short little three-page scene, down and dirty, and so I could just be part of it. But then everybody was going, Steve's having a baby, Steve's having a baby, what is this? So I had to get caught up by Michael Shea and all of you guys Michael on Shea. what was going down. Help and us then, out. Help, help us out, out people. Help us help out. Steve's having a baby. Steve's having a baby. Help us out. <laughs> 
and then that was my curse for the rest of our run because oh we still I say it. We still say it all the time. I know. We say it all the time. We still say it. Thieves out a baby. Uh, <laughs> funny, funny people. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you were with us until the very end. Were you excited when the show ended because you knew now you were going to get to continue to pursue a directing career, or were you sad to see Boy end? I wanted to continue directing with you guys. Yeah. I, I, and that darn Sabrina had to go leave TGIF because <laughs> mm-hmm. we would have come back with your new story. And mm-hmm. um, Michael uh, had already relayed to me that I would have gotten a chance to probably do two more episodes the following year. Um, so that would have been fantastic to do the next two things with you guys again. Um, yeah. So I think so wait, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm going to mean to interrupt. You were told that if Sabrina had stayed, we were going to do an eighth season. It, it was not a done deal, but ABC was leaning toward to my understanding, the way it was told to me that TJF would have stayed together if they mm-hmm. had two anchor shows for the four slots. Uh, and since we were the original, obviously we were one. And if Sabrina had not jumped to networks, that would have given their second anchor and they would have approached one more, at least one more season with the new story of you guys having moved out in New York. Okay. So it's yeah. Melissa's fault sense. then. If yeah, right? to blame Let's get her back out here and blame her. World, we blame Mel because it's her fault. I just want to make sure that the blame is pointed squarely at Melissa Jones. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I worked good. with her. I worked with her one week after boy meets world and where she was directing and, uh, I kept rubbing that into her. Okay, I said, good. Okay. Good. I said, I'm happy to be here, but I'm only here because you screwed us all over. <laughs> good. Okay, I'm glad, I'm glad that she got some ish for that. Good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I also want to talk to you about all that. I mean, mm. truly considered SNL for kids. I mean, it's also another show that has aged incredibly well. Um, I mean, the entire younger generation just says it completely shaped their sense of humor. So, it must feel amazing to have uh, have had such a hand in that. It introduced the world to Keenan and Kel, Amanda Bynes, Nick Cannon, Gabriel Iglesias. What are your memories from that show? Um, I didn't initially get to work with the original cast. I was brought in when the show moved to Los Angeles from Florida and had the new cast, which involved uh, Lisa Foyles and uh, Jack DeSena and some a really, really fun cast. Yeah. Um, then uh, Keenan came back and did a guest spot. I'm, so I worked with him then. And then I got to do the 10th anniversary special. So Keenan and Kel both were there and Josh came back and, you know, a lot of the original cast members. Um, and so that was fantastic. I'd worked with Amanda on the Amanda show just before I did um, uh, Drake and Josh and all that. But uh, it is definitely the Saturday Night Live for kids. It was fun having the, the music act. Uh, sometimes we'd have, two on the same week and then we just record them both and then split them up in editing um so it was uh something different all the time it was uh it kept you on your toes very much Uh, we couldn't do the whole show live in front of the audience being on the what we've always called the kid clock uh it just didn't fit with your work day uh what the state of california would allow and so there was a lot of pre-taping and stuff like that but uh it was fun. And I, I got to tell you, Keenan and Kel together, they bring a special brand of intuitive humor, uh, improv, uh, just smart and two of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Also, that was a, a lot of fun. 
I can't remember. Did you do the episode that I was in? No. No. Okay. I it wasn't. Didn't. Okay. Uh, I couldn't remember who who directed the episode that I did. Yeah. No. And I was not too happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You were off doing something else. I think. That's right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or just away on a trip on a week off or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> so I, I have a question for you then, because you're you most of your career has obviously been working with kids, mm-hmm. um, and and you've been doing it for twenty years after Boy Meets World ended. Have you? One of the things we talk about in this podcast a lot is just kind of growing up as a child actor, uh, what it's like, some of the challenges, some of the struggles, some of the great parts, some of the parts that aren't so great. Have you noticed a difference in child actors from the time you started to now? With the the advent of social media, with everything kind of going on, have you noticed a change on the set in what it's like to be a child actor? Yeah, I think so, and it's almost hard to put my finger on it because I I would I think the natural easy answer to be say is they're a little more savvy and they know a little more coming in. But you guys were really savvy. You guys were very prepared. Um, uh, so I don't know if that's exactly accurate, but there is something. I think they've just been exposed more to the behind the scenes stuff, what goes on in a show. So maybe not everything catches them off guard as being something new and foreign as it might have for you guys. Um, and so it makes me think, you know, way back when the Brady Bunch happened, you know, what was it like for those guys when there right. was no other real standard and things to watch at that point? Um, the, I just, no matter what generation it is of these shows, I marvel at what the young actor has to go through and this is what the people don't realize that not only is the acting part and that takes up a big part of the day and a lot of people are savvy enough that they know about set school uh but they don't know about the pr work that happens right after the post-production adr work that happens you know all the time so you guys are literally being taken here there here there there and then you get home and you're supposed to learn rewrites that are coming through and there is no time in the day for kid actors to be kids under most circumstances. And it's really sad. It's nice that they're getting, you know, a little financially secure at a much earlier age than most people do. It's nice that they're getting this worldly experience and there's so many positives come out, but it's all earned (laughs) and it's earned to the nth degree and people don't realize that. And so when I see you guys who are normal functioning, delightful people (laughs) in society, that's not always the case on that perilous road that sometimes it eats people up and spits people out. So I think also the new kids or the the newer generation, they may be a little more prepared for that because I think their families are a little more prepared. I think their managers or agents, if you have good agents who really care about the client, they're a little more depth at uh, handling the whole situation. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but no, it does. It's interesting just to see kind of the progression of the child actor now. Yeah, um, I think is is certainly different than it was back in the day. When people find yeah. out that you worked on Boy Meets World, what do they ask you? <laughs> Inevitably, they have a favorite. One of you guys is a favorite, <laughs> and so what's writer like? What's Danielle right. like? What, right. you know, <laughs> and, and I I would get asked by the ones who really know the show. What was it like when Danielle got her hair cut? I get that. That's so funny. Frequently. And I say, you just don't know. I said, that was such (laughs) a... What a hectic night. 
it was traumatic for me. And I just had to stand there and have my arm around her shoulder. <laughs> I wasn't oh. the one who was doing this. And uh, so, yeah, we, we get asked that. And um, we also get a uh, uh, writer, our writer and Will as cool as they seem. is like, no, they're cooler. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they were playing. Do you know the Kjeljori and Frostbeast? Exactly. Have you heard of Magic the Gathering? <laughs> they were playing cool. Magic the Gathering. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of them don't know the things that, you know, Ryder is a perpetual student. You know, I, I still remember the day when Ryder said, hey, if I could just go to school the rest of my life, if I didn't need money to stay alive, you know, I, that's what I would do. I would just do yeah. that. And, uh, well, they don't know that the extensive amount of voiceover work on fairly big roles and very big projects that Will did. And they don't know that Danielle has now become this accomplished director herself. And so they just don't know the, the inner workings. And it's, it's always fun to relay that, that news. Yeah. Is there a week? I won't even say an episode. Is there a week on Boy Meets World for good or for bad, excluding your directing debut? Yes. That's, that stands out for you. <sighs> I don't know about that. To me, it's it's all this amassing of these wonderful stories and memories that you just remember from, you know, like Daniel's oh, haircutting week. Uh, uh, I remember um, when we all found out that Steve Hibbert, one of our beloved writers, played the part of the gimp. Was the gimp a fiction. fiction? We all freaked <laughs> out. <And laughs> I remember we were getting ready to start a run through uh, and it was it was one of those farce things where you guys were all about to make an entrance from something. So you're all behind the set. And I think Jeff McCracken was directing and he's like, and action. And nobody came out. And he goes, action. Nobody came out. And then all of a sudden you hear Ben going, Hibbert, the gimp. And then just all you guys were laughing from behind the set and all the writers just breaking up and the network looking back like, what? And he's hilarious. And then Will had another moment. I remember when, we were doing the wilderness store set and rusty who is usually rock solid on his lines just was going up on a line uh just could not get it right and rusty puts all this pressure on himself and he starts you know getting mad at himself which is just making the situation worse and so he literally like four takes you know had not gotten this line he's like oh and he's getting upset we're in front of the audience and so we reset again we're going to start one more time and then will had the first entrance so i just said you know, checking with you to make sure, you know, uh, that we were going again, like, Will, are you all right? And then Will says, yeah, but what's Rusty's problem? Which <laughs> just <laughs> bust everybody up, broke the curse. Rusty was fine on the next take because it, it just has interjected this humor. So it's, you know, it's stories like that. Uh, yeah. I remember cutting through behind the kitchen windows once during a take, David Trainer's directing and Michael had rewritten something with, I wasn't, this is when I was the second, AD. So I was backstage, hair and makeup, something, handling something, and something big came up. I had to get to Lynn out on the set. And all week long, we'd rehearsed it one way, and we were not looking toward the kitchen. We were way over by the refrigerator and the door going into the living room. And Michael had changed something I didn't know. You guys are rolling. I cut right past the window, and I hear a cut. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> that could only be for one reason. That was me. And Lynn's like looking at me, and David Trainer came over and goes, if there's anybody else but you, I said, I know, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm, going, I'm going back now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you never want to be the person me. that ruins it. You never want to no. be the person that ruins it. 
No, no, no. So, Steve, having worked on so many successful shows, what do you think makes a show super successful versus a show that, you know, does a few episodes and then gets canceled? What do you think the secret sauce is? It's that perfect blend between the writing staff and the cast. I, I, how can it be anything but? It's um, the writers who initially create interesting characters that are going to take us places, but then they find the right cast who can take those words and breathe life times a thousand percent into them. And then the writing staff will take the cue from what the actor has developed and then start feeding into that path that has been laid by the actors. What is this character like? What does this character do? What are the quirks? You know what? And then they start writing to those strengths. And when you find that perfect sweet spot, to me, that's that's it. And mm. I know other shows get popular because of some big headlining star is there in the, in the lead position and people are tuning in for that. But for most of the shows, I think it's that other blend. Yeah. And you guys had it. <laughs> Aww. 30 years later, looking back at Boy Meets World, what do you think of all of it now? Do you have an overwhelming feeling? Like, what do you, did you ever think we'd still be talking about it this many years later? I wasn't sure. I sure, I knew it was something of quality. It was something of substance. And, you know, once again, not to keep referencing the Brady Bunch, but, you know, that, that had this longevity that people always talked about and idolized. And it's like, well, why can't this show be like that? Um, it. It has characters that you love as a fan. It has stories that deliver a message that brought a lot of import to a lot of people's lives or might have helped solve a question that they had about their own lives. Um, and so those are two big key components. So I sure hoped that it would. And then when Girl Meets World came around, I said, well, that's just going to lock this in. And now with this podcast, I hear more about Boy Meets World now, possibly, than I did in the first five years after we were done. Wow. Um, And so kudos to you guys. I mean, this show, this podcast is, wow, (laughs) it's taken off. (laughs) We feel very, we feel very fortunate with it. And we're so happy that you came up with the idea for it. Yeah. Thank you for coming up with this idea, Steve. (laughs) Thank you. We, I don't, with, I'll never forget the day you, I'll never forget the day you made the phone call and said, you know, guys, I think, I think the three of you should start a podcast. And you don't get enough credit for it. And we you like don't. to give credit where credit is due. We really yeah, do yeah, yeah. like to give That's that what we're credit. That's what we're known yeah. for. That's what we're known for. Maybe I had one too many old fashions. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody but writer. We'll give credit to anyone but writer. <laughs> I can tell that there's one of your reactions that's not quite the same as the other two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, anytime, anytime I can come up with great ideas for you guys, you just let me know. I love <laughs> that. We really Writer. do. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you so much for being here with us. It was so good to reconnect with you. I would love to try to arrange a lunch for the four of us to where we could actually spend some more time just catching up with you. You have been one of the people and there are surprisingly and maybe not surprisingly because you know the people we worked with. But when you have people that you can look back on in your life, especially when you were a kid, that were like true pillars of somebody you knew you could count on, who made you feel safe, who you could rely on, who you could tell Mm. things to, like we have a lot of those from Mm -hmm. the show. We actually, you know, the more we bring 
crew on and cast on and we talk to them and we say, we always knew we could go to you. That far outweighs the number of people we go, never really liked that person. You know, like, <laughs> but you are one of those people. And truthfully, oh, one okay. of the one of the people at the forefront, like yeah. if we yes. had to put together a short list of three to five, you'd be on that list for each and every one of us. And yeah. we knew how seriously you took your job. We knew how seriously you took protecting us. Um, and you made our day to day fun, even when we were pistols and not showing up on time or going through <laughs> something in our lives. We knew that we needed to do better because we didn't want to let you down. But you you also never made us feel bad about ourselves. And uh, we owe you an, an, an enormous yeah. debt of gratitude and, and a big thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you. That means the world to me coming from three people who are still very, very, very dear to me. And uh, I, I've always said to friends, I don't like picking favorites of shows and everything, but... But you guys you are, are right there. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask, but I'll take it. <laughs> I, 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 I do have three casts that I am very, very partial to, and you are one of those three. Okay, <laughs> good. For sure. I'll take. I'll take top. I'll take top three. I'll take, I'll take top three. three. I like I'll that. Take top three. Absolutely. Oh my. All right, Absolutely. Steve. Well, we'll be we'll be in touch for a lunch soon. That sounds great. Uh, I'll let you know next time I'm in LA since I live yes. way up in Washington State. Yeah, <laughs> you move. You live in Washington State now. I do. Uh, I can see Portland, Oregon from my house, so I'm can as south, far south as you can get. But uh, is it well, easier to hit the fairway wood up there than it was down here in LA? <laughs> no, because it's so rainy. I, I play like twice a year. It's, it's always raining. <laughs> well, oh, we my. will be in Portland sometime next year. We will yeah. also let you know when that happens, and maybe you just hop on over to Portland, and we'll get lunch then. Oh, uh, that's that's an easy do. Yep. Okay, great. Awesome. Thank great. you again. Thank you so much, guys. Great to see you. Yeah. Good to see you. Love you all. Bye. Oh, man. So much fun to reconnect. Can you believe Steve's having a baby? He's going to be 26. No. (laughs) And a pilot. Someday we're going to get. I'm so jealous. uh, Welcome to whatever airlines. This is Steve's having a baby. And we know you have your choice of all the. Like, what? That's going to be like, that's just for us. That's just for us. We don't even know his name. It's just Chase having a baby. His name's Chase, but I'm going to only call him Steve's having a baby. It's Steve's having a baby. That's what we know. You have your choice of Steve's having a babies. Guys, could, do you think we could convince Steve's having a baby to just be our pilot? Ooh. We need to get, we somehow need to, there's a few things we have to figure out, like, you know, a plane and all that stuff, but. Becoming billionaires first, buying a plane. Mm. Well, that was really great to see him. And yeah. Uh, yeah, what a what a guy. It was so funny to hear his voice even more than seeing it's, him. Like, I know, it's, because it was always uh, his voice that like ran our stage. He yeah. would be in the headphones. He would be announcing yeah. things. All right, everybody. And he would count well, us we down. We would be he looking at five, each other. Four, exactly. Three, two. We would have to be looking at each other and in the stage. And he yep. was right, you know, right off camera. Yeah. And so the yes. sound of his voice is a cue for us to do a million different things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, yes, the sound of his voice just feels like, I have to do something. I'm running late. He's, <laughs> he's partially the reason we have anxiety over dressing. <laughs> we're rolling. We're on a bell. <laughs> oh, we're on a bell. Oh, God. Do you remember? Yeah, because I mean, people right are when you when you're rolling a set, they ring a loud bell and all these red lights flash above every door so nobody comes in or out of the soundstage. Yeah. But yeah, going on a bell, that means that we're oh, rolling. I do. I just got a little agita. Thank you for <laughs> yes. that. Oh, God, I feel like I don't know my lines and I missed a cue. I'm having a waking uh-huh. actor's dream right now. It's horrible. 
You have to stop walking because you could even hear people walking backstage. Yeah. So it's like if you're at the craft service table and we're on a bell, you have to stand still with your snack in your hand. Be like, oh, no, they're rolling. What they're right about. So funny. Oh, so funny. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of Pod Meets World. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Pod Meets World Show. You can send us your emails, podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. And we have merch. Help us out. Steve's buying some merch. <laughs> Podmeetsworldshow.com. Brunch. Why? Writer, send us out. <laughs> Writer, writer, stop. No, why? Why? (laughs) We love you all. Pod dismissed. Pod Meets World is an iHeart podcast produced and hosted by Danielle Fischel, Wilfred L., and Ryder Strong. Executive producers, Jensen Karp and Amy Sugarman. Executive in charge of production, Danielle Romo. Producer and editor, Tara Sudbach. Producer, Jackie Rodriguez. Engineer and Boy Meets World superfan, Easton Allen. Our theme song is by Kyle Morton of Typhoon. You can follow us on Instagram at Pod Meets World Show or send us an email at podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When I'm on my way to drop off the kids at school and I'm on about five hours of sleep and I haven't had my coffee yet, I'm truly one of a kind. Yeah, this sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. It is. But there is one thing I can do immediately to bring some comfort and calm to the situation and keep me moving forward. Eat Keebler Sandies. I like to think that if the good-looking guy was still around, sitting on the couch, comforting himself about not getting into college... He ditched the Cocoa Puffs and downed some Keebler Sandies instead. Mixed with chocolate syrup? Ooh, why not? When you need a comforting moment for yourself, Keebler Sandies is the perfect treat to keep you going. Each Keebler Sandies shortbread cookie is baked to perfection by the Keebler Elves for a light sweetness and a texture that melts in your mouth. The next time you feel like you're juggling it all, reach for Keebler Sandies shortbread cookies to enjoy a simple moment of comfort. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby.